your hand in our nation. Keep it here. We would love you for all the changes we're seeing and we ask for more. And now, with this blessing that we uh, give today, may it flourish in your work and we will praise your name over through Christ I Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you will go ahead and turn to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. Um, it's Independence Day. It's the day that our country declared their independence from Britain. And uh, it's a significant day in our history, the history of this country. Uh, We've had four presidents to die on the 4th of July. Uh, we've had one that was born on the 4th of July that became president. Uh, a lot of things have gone on on the 4th of July. And after as, as an important date as it is, do you realize that it did not become a national holiday until 1941? I don't know. You know, I guess they decided that that's when we needed to do it. Patriotic was during World War II. I guess they needed to raise the, thought it was something that we needed to do to raise the patriotic uh, fervor in the country. I thought the, most of the majority of the country would be behind that, uh, that generation. Um, and through the years, it's, it's been a lot, of, a lot of different things. You know, we've, I can remember we would go to the lake when I was a kid and I remember being on most of my life on military bases until I uh, I, I got out of the service after pulling three years. Uh, it was a big thing. I mean, they had fireworks. How far, there, there's what was it? Two hundred and forty-three million dollars spent on fireworks on the Fourth of July across this country. Now that was a couple of years ago, so I'm sure it's more than that. Uh, and uh, and so. That's what we do. We light up the skies. You know, we, we celebrate with a big bang. It's an important event. Um, a lot of things. You know, I, I can, when I was in the military, I didn't much care for the 4th of July for one reason. Usually we had to march in a parade somewhere and it was 100 degrees. And you had to stand in line and you march out to get on a cattle truck. And if you've ever rode on a cattle truck, that's exactly what it looks like. And it's just got benches in it. For you to sit down and you get there and it's 100 degrees and you pull up somewhere and be, 
You know the old army commercial, we do more by 9 a.m. than most folks do all day? They don't tell you they start at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, and, and that picture of that guy sitting out there on the jump, on the drop zone with a cup of coffee morning first sergeant, nah, never happened. <laughs> I can assure you that. And he didn't have his steel pot all sitting on his rucksack either. But anyway, that was all a recruiting thing so that people could want to join the army. I can think of a lot of better places to drink a cup of coffee than sitting on a backpack in the middle of a drop zone out in the middle of nowhere after you've done been up from 3 o'clock in the morning. But that's just, that's just me. Uh, but we have a lot of people who sacrifice their lives so that we could celebrate this. Uh, you think about some of the major names of, from our early days of, our, of the revolution. Uh, the majority of them were anywhere from 21 to 29 years old. And then you get to the, a few that were in their 30s, and like George Washington, he was 44. So, you know, these were young men who were willing to sacrifice everything, and some of them did. A lot of them wound up as paupers, poor. Some of them wound up, wound up being captured and sent to England and tortured and, and killed and executed uh, for a dream and a belief. You know, like the song we sang a while ago, you know, uh, liberty, an express way of liberty. You know, this, this nation, regardless of what people say, was based on Christian values. The men that signed the Declaration of Independence sought the providence of God in that document. And it proves it. It states it in there. We have the right to worship who we want, when we want, how we want, where we want, no matter what today's society will tell you. And with that... What a wonderful time to be alive. What a wonderful time to be alive. God had called us and had us stay alive for this time, this day, this year, this season. Because we have things that we need to do. We have things that God has called us to that he wants us to take care of for him. And I ain't just believing this. I just left all my notes back there in my office. Oh, well. <laughs> This is going to be fun. Um, yep, that's where they're at. Sure is the world. Okay. I'll go get them. Just time out. Where's that grandson? <laughs> He's at home. This whole Sunday has been me not being able to remember anything. I might need, what is that that you need to take? Thank you. Uh, I need to get some. Uh, anyway, uh, because we're living where we live and because we've been blessed by God, out of all the countries in the world, he placed us here. Think about that. And then on top of that, he even blessed us even more. He placed us below the Mason-Dixon line. Yes, Lord. <laughs> you know, uh, 
we're American by birth and Southern by the grace of God. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just, you know, it's, I'm, I'm celebrating. Uh, anyway, I, I, the message today is going to be on faithfulness and rewards. Uh, we're going to start chapter one of, of, uh, of 2 Thessalonians. We'll start in verse three and go down to six or seven. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll follow along with me. It says, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We were bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the clar- and the charity of every one of you toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Which is uh, a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it, uh, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from the heaven with his uh, mighty angels, in flaming fire, asking vengeance, or taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for this message. Uh, Lord, it has been a part of our founding fathers, hope and righteousness when they founded this country. Lord, we are living in it today because of their foresight. Lord, let us have foresight to be able to give it to our children and grandchildren better than we found it. Lord, we we were slack for for a while. And now we've woke up and we're coming back and and we're strong and we're willing to stand up and right the wrongs that have been plagued to this nation. Lord, we thank you for not removing your hand from us. We thank you, Lord, for causing the evil to walk out in public and shine a light on themselves because they think they've won. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you placed us in the greatest country that has ever been formed on the face of this earth, by you for your glory. I ask you, Lord, to open these words up to us, give us the wisdom to understand and apply it to our lives as we go forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're growing in faith, growing in faith. In verse 3 it says, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're growing in faith. Are you, is your faith growing? Are you, has your faith been renewed? We've had a lot of landmark things going on the last week or so. And, and so we are bound. You know, we're bound to thank God always. And he says we're bound to thank God for you. We're bound to thank God for you. Here at Deep Creek Baptist Church, we are bound to thank God for each one of you that are here. Those that are members and those that are friends of the church and those that are visiting, we thank God for you because your faith grows exceedingly. 
and the love that every one of you have abounds. See, Paul's word in here is strong. Paul has already written a very warm letter containing some of the same passages uh, of high praise for the Thessalonian church. Uh, and it's impossible, or it is uh, probable that in the subsequent communication um, that he had, um, whether by letter or by word of mouth, that he had said that they were not worthy of some praise. But Paul strongly maintains in his word that had not been too strong. Paul was, all of us have room for improvement. But Paul is praising them for what they do. What did he tell? It goes on to tell us that they're, 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 they're exceedingly, their growth and faith is exceeding. And their charity for everyone. Not only for those that are outside to other churches in the area, but for the ones that's in the church. He says, it's your duty to praise him. You are bound by the bonds of his love as long as you live to bless his name. Isn't that what we do when we say our Pledge of Allegiance? Isn't that what we do when we sing our, 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 our national anthem? Isn't that what we do when we sing these hymns on Sunday? Isn't that what we do when we pray? Isn't that what we do when we worship? We praise him and thank him, and it's our duty to praise him. How did we open up this service? Before any greater important undertaking, invoke the blessings of God. We praised him. We asked him to shine his mercy and his grace upon us here today. Not only today, but every day. It is something that we should do out of habit. Not the praying part and not that, but it should become so part of our lives that that's what we do unconsciously. Praise the Lord. Are we there yet? Are we praising the Lord unconsciously? When things are going bad, do we praise Him? When things are going good, do we praise Him? That's what we talked about Wednesday night. Our praise should be unceasing along with our prayers. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, that circumstance is to glory God. And once we realize that, it's not, oh, pitiful me. I don't know why in the world the Lord's doing this to me. Look who I am. Look what I've done for you, God. Why not you? Look what he did to Job. Look what he allowed Job to go through. For who? For his glory. For his glory. The things we face, not only are they not for us, but for his glory, but they're for others. Think about all the tragedies and trials and tribulations and things that we and temptations and toils that we've been through. When somebody else is going through it, you know what we're to do? Especially somebody in our church family. We're to go there and say, look, brother or sister, I understand. I don't know exactly how you're feeling, but I've been there. I've walked this path. And I'm going to be here with you to help you go down this path. And when you get to the end of it, you'll be like I am. You'll be blessed. And you'll be ready to go walk that path with somebody else. That's what these things are for. That's what life is about. That's what these struggles are about. Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves, we forget that everything that we do it's for something bigger than us. The way we carry ourselves in society is something bigger than us. Not only are we citizens of the greatest nation on earth, 
But we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Our citizenship actually is in heaven. We are sons and daughters of God. We're not just just run-of-the-mill people. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Whatever name you want to go through the Old Testament, Jehovah Jireh, whatever, go down the list. That is your father. We have been adopted into his family. We are brothers and sisters with Christ, or of Christ. Because our growth, our faith grows exceedingly, Paul thanked God because the Thessalonians had exceedingly growing faith. It's not that just they were growing in the Word, but they were exceedingly growing in the Word. Today, if you did that, you would probably be called a fanatic or obsessed. If you were in the church, some folks would call you blessed. But that not only was they exceedingly growing in faith, when they started doing the exceedingly and growing in faith, guess what? They started abounding in love. Isn't that amazing? The faith and love are connected. The more you do one, the other abounds. What did Jesus tell us? That we would, be, we would have rivers of living water flowing out of us. How do you get there? Exceedingly growing faith and abounding in love. Patience and faith in all things. Persecutions, tribulations. This faith and love thriving in the midst of persecution and tribulation made Paul boast of the Thessalonians to other churches. Think about it. We're very blessed. We haven't had to hide to worship God. We haven't had to carpool together because... We were afraid that someone would attack us on the way to church. We haven't had to post armed guards outside the church yet to protect us while we worship in here. We haven't had to hide our Bibles and we haven't had to hide our, our praise Jesus and thank Jesus signs throughout the country because they haven't come to our doors yet. Key word in there, yet. When they shut us off and we're not able to buy and sell because we won't take the mark of the beast prior to anything. It's going there. They're going to a non-cash economic system. And we're going to have to barter to stay alive. We're going to have to look after each other. We're going to have to provide for each other. Like the church in Thessalonica, they were providing for each other through the persecutions and through the tribulations. And he boasted about that. His, birth, his verb of groweth exceedingly is an unusual one. Here only in the Greek Bible and gives the thought of very vigorous growth. Vigorous growth. Not stagnant growth. Not a little growth. You know, we planted purple, uh, uh, speckled butter beans. They said it would be 65 days to maturity from the time you put it in the dirt till you should reap the crop. 65 days. 
when you start growing in faith and you start growing exceedingly and abounding in love, how long before you mature? Some people might be 65 days. Some people it might be two years. Some people maybe never mature wholly. But you need to be striving to do that. We, we are the gardeners. We should be pruning the suckers off the plant. We should be making sure that it's nourished with the right nutrients. We should be watering it. Making sure that we put the right insecticides on it to keep the bugs from eating it up. And then we should harvest it and enjoy the harvest. That's what this, this growth is about. It's so that we can grow vigorously, so that we can abound in the harvest. So that when we get to where our destination is, we'll be mature. We'll be ready. We'll be ready for the reapers to reap. Right now, we need to help the sowers sow. Spurgeon explained this as how do you get a strong, growing faith? By that means you are to grow. That's what it means. You are to grow. This is so with faith. Do all you can and then do a little more. And when you can do that, then do a little more. Always have something in hand that is greater than your present capacity. This is Charles Spurgeon. Grow up to it. And when you have grown up to it, Grow more. Think about the old live oak trees or the old oak trees that were in front of, I remember my grandma's house. Huge thing. Shade covered the whole front yard. Always a slight breeze in the summertime. Even the gnats didn't seem to be as bad under that tree. But it grew and it grew and it grew and as far as I know it's still growing. Started out with a little... Nut, acorn. We start out with a seed. We come to salvation. We go to a certain point, we're on fire, can't get enough, we soak it up, and then all of a sudden it's like, we stop our growth. I know enough. I can tell you like our drill sergeants told us when we had hand-to-hand combat. You know just enough to get your butt tore up. We didn't know enough to win. We know enough to get beat. And we stop growing in the word of God. Why? Why do we do this? What we need to do is so that we ourselves, this is a very emphatic expression, much more emphatic than than we should have expected in such a connection. It implies a strong contrast. The idea is that though it was Unusual for someone who planted a church to glory in its success and help. Paul was so impressed by what God was doing among the Thessalonians. Even Paul took the liberty to glory in that work. 146 years ago, this month, 
People planted this church, Deep Creek Baptist Church. 146 years ago. I think we're here today not only to glory in the work that those folks started before us, but also to, to glory in the work that we have to do and to praise God for his perseverance and, provi- and provision. It's not by accident we're here today. We need to glory in the churches of God. This is a church of God. Yes, we have a Baptist name on it, but this is God's church. It's not Jerry's church. This is God's church. And he called not only me, but each one of you here, whether you're a visitor or whether you are a friend of the church or whether you're a member, he called you here for a purpose. You have a place here to be part of this body to perform and honor God in that service here. That's what we're here for. Yes, we come in on Wednesdays, and yes, we come in on Sundays, and we get fed so that we can go back out into the battlefield and be soldiers of truth, be warriors for Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. That's why we're here. That's why God placed us. And Paul, by these words, shows us that we are under an obligation to give thanks to God not only when he does us a kindness, but also when we consider the kindness which he has shown towards our brethren. Do we rejoice? Do we rejoice in in the blessings of our brothers and sisters in Christ? When one gets a promotion, are we happy? When one gets a pay raise, are we happy? One is able to elevate themselves or do something for some. Are we happy? Are we rejoicing with them? Or are we sitting back? Hmm, thinks he's something. Or look what she did. She thinks she's something. We're people. I know. I'm a people. I know what goes on in people's minds because I am one. But we fight those off. We fight those off. We are to glorify God in all of our actions. In all of our persecutions and tribulations that we endure. I don't know everything that you endure. I don't. And then we go into uh, the tribulations ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. God's righteous judgment was at work among the Thessalonians. Beginning at the house of God. And we'll see that in 1 Peter 4 and 17. And purifying them as followers of Jesus Christ. The good results showing them worthy of the kingdom of God. Was manifest evidence. That God was in were good in allowing them to suffer the persecutions and tribulations described in 2 Thessalonians 4. Listen, we're all going through trials and tribulations and persecutions. All of us. And God is allowing us to do that. But we as a church, are we joining with those that are being persecuted? Are we lifting each other up? Are we manifesting 
the blessings of God by our reactions and actions to the trials and tribulations that we see every day. Are we? We usually think that God is absent when we suffer. Remember, he lives in our heart. He's always there. And that our suffering calls God righteous judgment into question. Lord, why me? Why are you putting me through this? Why not you? Why not you? And so we think that, that we're, 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 because we're children of God, that we are immune from these things. The evidence of righteous judgment of God, where suffering is coupled with righteous endurance, is our suffering coupled with righteous endurance. Oh, well. Lord, thank you. Today will be a better, a good day, I hope, and tomorrow will be better. But if not, Lord, I'm, I'm going to bless you in it. If not, I'm going to praise you. God's work is done. The fires of persecution and tribulation were like the purifying fires of a refiner burning gold, taking the sludge off. Have you ever seen anybody smelt gold or smelt lead or, or aluminum? When it gets hot and turns liquefied, there's... The impurities rise to the top, and the, and, and the refiner will take a little scoop and throw it off. These persecutions are causing us to be refined. And when we get through the end of the, tri the tribulations, we will become pure, precious metal for the Lord. There's always a reason behind what we go through. The idea behind counted worthy is not seen as worthy, but reckoned as worthy as a God's judgment. A decree, a judicial decree. Paul's prayer was that the worthiness of Jesus be accounted to the Thessalonian Christians. Our prayer is that the Christians at Deep Creek Baptist Church be counted as worthy. Since it's all righteous, since it's all a righteous thing with God, many people question the righteousness of God's judgment. They believe that God's love and his judgment contradict each other. Not so. But God's judgment is based on the great spiritual principle that is a righteous thing with God to repay. To repay. Those who do evil, since God is righteous, he will repay all evil. And it will be judged and accounted for either at the cross or in hell. Think about that. God's righteous judgment is going to be upon you for all the things that we've done and will be repaid either at the cross or in hell. That decision is yours. And we're not to be repaying persecution with persecution. The judgment of God means that there is nothing unimportant in my life. There's nothing unimportant in your life. Everything is under the eye of God and I must answer to. Think about this now. Everything in my life, there is nothing that is unimportant 
to God. And everything is under the eye of God. And I must answer for it. Now. We've been counted worthy. See I answered for my sins at the cross. Through the shed blood of Christ. And so I don't have to worry about. Getting my. Getting repaid for my sins in hell. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that your sins were covered at the cross, then I suggest that today is the day that you make it correct. That you have a serious, serious repentance session with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to assure you one thing. Hell is not a place you wanted to find out, find out that you were wrong. So it's either the cross or in hell. By the grace of God, I chose the cross. What do you choose? What do you choose? Only you can make that answer. Only you can decide for yourself whether you're going to be repaid by grace and get something you don't deserve or be repaid by justice and get exactly what you deserve. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you. And I thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray that not one soul leave here today. Without deciding today. Whether you're going to repay them. At the cross. Or in hell. My prayer is that they will choose the cross. My prayer, Lord, is that the Holy Spirit will tug at their hearts. My prayer is that today's the day that they will accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And forego the standing at the great white throne and being found guilty and spending eternity in hell. Separated from you and your blessings and your glory. Lord, I love you. And ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our invitation hymn is 413. 413. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. So I'll stand.